Mailbag Friday, it's like kind of a casual Friday, but we do have us three here. Jack McMullen, Peter Apple, Aram late in the Just Baseball show on Friday, February 11th. And I just found something out about our friend and co-host, Peter Apple. What'd you find out? I found out that you're willing to spend $30 on airplane Wi-Fi. I wrote an article, why Aaron Judge deserves an extension. I spent 30 bucks on Wi-Fi. You know what happens? I can't get through a flight if I don't have Wi-Fi. Yeah, dude. dude. That's the worst take ever. No, it's you. not. It's what do not you stare at? You stare at the at the chair in front of you? What do you do? Don't say read a book. Uh, read a book. I also download uh, shows and movies on Netflix. I use that time to cut off my communication with the outside world. I use it to almost communicate more. Yes, correct. Communicate way more. Also, Jack, when you're up units, you know, you splurge. You're up units. You splurge a little bit. Is that is that gambling? I thought we were just talking about baseball. I yeah, forgot. Some, you, you know, we're a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of units, you know, a little bit of splurge. It is what it is. Yeah. Sorry. I forgot you are the host of uh, Not Gambling Advice now. Episode one was a Super Bowl preview with Colby Olsen. That was good. Good facial expressions came from the YouTube video. <laughs> and uh, Rams minus four, I guess, is the play, right? Rams minus four. We got a ton of props. I'm not going to give him out on this show, even though I did give out Kevin Huber over 52 and a half yards longest punt. Jesus. We can hear the reasoning for all the props, Gatorade, National Anthem, coin toss, Super Bowl MVP, but Rams, Rams are going to take it. And I got my LA hat. I'm in Vegas for the Super Bowl and I'm, I'm excited. God, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. I think I'm going to have to like eat at home, cater. Wings are like two bucks a pop catering here in New York. Because we're going to have people over. $2 for a chicken wing. It should be like 50 cents. It should be 50 cents. That's like, like oyster prices. It should be like 30 cents. Yeah. It's a chicken Oysters. wing. Oyster prices. It's oyster prices. I'm a seafood guy. South Florida, dude. Come on. Like, that's, that's it. Like, they're acting like chicken wings are a delicacy. I might just not eat for the Super Bowl. Or get something besides chicken wings. Yeah. What's cheaper than chicken wings? <laughs> Pizza? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Guess is pizza like Super Bowl food? You know what? Why yeah. don't you just make your guests a nice Caesar salad? Go get a salad bowl, go get some tongs, toss up a nice Caesar, and say, you Peter, know what? we're Peter, healthy guys. How much salad or how, how many greens do have you seen me eat in your life? Yeah, I'm trying to convince Arm to eat more vegetables. I think it just make him feel all the way better because you know I'm on my juice grind. Yeah. We're gonna get Arm on a vegetable kind of thing because oh, I don't know how he's surviving without anything green in his entire diet. I, I'm running out of gas. I'm running out of gas. Do you think this is why I'm I am the way I am? Not enough greens. Maybe not enough I, greens. I'd say, I'd say go on a walk and eat greens. Like that's kind of the recipe to happiness and success. <laughs> I'll try it. <laughs> All right, we got a Q and A. Um, we had a mailbag that we put out on social media, Twitter, mailbag, mailbag, and we got some really good ones. I will run us through these. Um, and I will leave it to you guys um, to offer your staunch opinions. I'll follow with some solid opinions as well. First question came from Lefty D Hills on Twitter. Since the MLB technically isn't testing for steroids and PEDs at the moment, by the way, that will just ramp right back up once the lockout's over, I promise. Uh, who's the one player that you guys think would benefit the most from steroids? Aram, you first. <laughs> this is hilarious because <laughs> we were having this joking conversation about this uh, in in the staff chat. <laughs> I I asked for somebody to put together a an edit of David Fletcher ripped. Um, realistically, like David I, Fletcher would be the the, the short term answer, right? Imagine <laughs> David Fletcher just just barreling baseballs up instead of just hitting them like it's badminton. 
but at the same time, what does a ripped David Fletcher still do? Like, I I don't know if that frame is capable of doing much more. You got to think like skinny, lanky, that could put on some like mega strength. I don't know because O'Neill Cruz would be my answer, but he already hits the ball 120. How much more power can that guy have? I have the answer. What's your answer? I want to hear, I want to hear what you got. Imagine Byron Buxton on steroids. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my dear Lord. Byron Buxton on steroids. Imagine him filling out to 230. He's already got crazy raw power. He could be a 60-50 guy. He might get faster from <laughs> 60, steroids. 60. And the steroids thing, it's helping guys stay healthy. Imagine him on the field for 162, roided up. He'd be the greatest player of all time. Yeah, so I was going to go with a lot of these technical things here. Um, I was going to say anabolic steroids, those are like the mass builders. Those create more testosterone. Those allow you to you know, kind of build up your muscle fibers quicker and, and bigger. Um, they don't help with agility or natural athleticism at all. But if you're watching the Winter Olympics, and I know I'm the only person on this podcast that is watching the Winter Olympics, so that 15-year-old Russian figure skater tested positive for doping. Um, the substance that she used was a banned uh, heart medication. It was trimetazidine, which helps, it, obviously, like it helps with your heart, right? It spells angina attacks but it also increases blood flow, which in turn reduces fatigue. So I think give it to a pitcher and let them be healthier than ever and let them go however long they want. If you choose the right cocktail, I think Jacob deGrom is the greatest athlete to ever walk the earth. What's Roger Clemens taken? I don't know. Give he'd, that be, he'd be Clemens, but better. I was thinking, what about like Christian Yelich? Christian Yelich on the juice, man, the way he can backspin baseballs in that stadium. I mean, he was already hitting 40 jacks. Now help him get through that injury, help him feel a little bit more physical, fill out a little bit. Yelly, Yelly could be a 50 home run guy on the juice. That's my pick. I'd go Yelly. What about Trey Turner also? I, but then he slows down a little bit. Right. Ah, faster. <laughs> faster. <laughs> Barry Bonds. Over 500 stolen bases, even though that doesn't really equate to everyone else who ever has taken steroids, and he had a lot of them with Pittsburgh, but I'm I'm sticking to it that it's going to make you faster. Fair. Okay, next question from Brennan Mayfield on Twitter. Any concerns about Mike Soroka? Peter, you first. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously concerns with the injury, but I'm not incredibly concerned. Also, if you're the Braves, you have Max Freed, Charlie Morton, Huascar Yanoa, um, who else am I forgetting? They have like five Tucker pitchers. Davidson, Tucker Davidson, Kyle Muller, Kyle Wright. Ian Anderson is the guy I'm missing. I don't know how I yeah, could forget right. Ian Anderson, but they have so many arms available. Anything you get from Soroka next year is a plus. So but we haven't seen a ton of reports, but I wouldn't say I'm necessarily concerned more. Just anything you get out of him is an absolute plus because they have one of the deepest rotations in baseball. Yeah. I mean, what Peter said is hundred percent correct, right? Like if we look at it from the brave standpoint, I'm not really concerned about their pitching situation with or without Soroka. I'm definitely concerned about Soroka. I, I was at game six of the world series and I'm watching this guy still limping around, you know, before the game. And I, that like that, I had like a pit in my stomach. So I was like, I was expecting to see him jog a little bit and be like, Oh, Soroka's on the man. He was fully limping. And it's, it's kind of nuts, but I mean, time flies. But when he tore that Achilles the first time, I mean, that was in 2020, man. Like, we're going to be into 2022. We don't know when he's going to be ready. Achilles is already nuts. I mean, we're seeing some progress in terms of how, how, that's, how you're able to get back from that Cam Akers exhibit A. Uh, but I think this was a, a fully, fully severed uh, Achilles situation. And then he had to get it done again. Uh, so I'm a little bit worried there. I, I don't know. I haven't heard of you know, someone having Achilles surgery than having to get it again. Um, I'm definitely worried. I'm definitely worried about him. But from the Brave standpoint, you know, again, like Peter said, whatever they get is a bonus. And hopefully that that will allow them to really roll him in slowly because you, know, you, you don't want to risk anything else. Yeah, like tons of concerns about Soroka for me uh, on behalf of Mike Soroka because like re-rupturing an Achilles tendon sounds like such a bitch. And I can pinpoint, I want to say two instances with pitchers where they tore their UCL, started the rehab process, and then re-ruptured their UCL. Daniel Hudson was one of them, the reliever who's pretty solid now, but there was a stretch of like 
three years of big league ball where he just couldn't pitch in a major league baseball game because he tore it. He started rehabbing and then he tore it again in like one of his first rehab outings back. Uh, and then Anderson Espinosa did it too. He re-ruptured his UCL. And like that whole process, we know the mental health toll that it takes on people. And to go through that shit again, like I would be farther in the dumps than anybody. And an Achilles sounds terrible, but here's what you got to factor in. Soroka made a name for himself when he was stupid young. He's, he's still turning, 24. Yeah, he's yeah. not turning 25 until the beginning of August. So even if he misses two full years of Major League Baseball, he could come back from a torn Achilles and then a retorn Achilles before like a lot of guys his same age make their MLB debut. Yeah. I mean, DeGrom was pitching at 26, like as in his first couple of years, like Mike Soroka has plenty of time. That's kind of why I wasn't overly concerned uh, for Soroka. I'm definitely not concerned for the Braves, but not overly concerned for Mike Soroka. He's a young guy. I think he's going to battle back just like he did the first time. I think he'll be okay. It it may take a while, but I think he'll be okay. For context, same age as Ron. 24, yeah. When's your birthday? July 17th. So you're older than Soroka. I'm two weeks older than Mike Soroka, which is nuts. And and the even crazier part is like Ryan Pepiot is the same age, right? Like highly regarded prospect with with the Dodgers. He's the same age as Soroka. So thank goodness he came up quickly. Uh, and you know I think that that really does help the whole the whole situation a, a good bit. Yeah. Next one, quick one from Brennan Mayfield. Do the Rangers go for Rodon or Kershaw? Kersh. Kershaw. Yeah, me too. I think Kershaw is as good as a Ranger. Like, he yeah. will be a Ranger. I just don't see the Dodgers. They didn't offer him the qualifying offer. There's obvious concerns there with his health. And Clayton Kershaw is a Dodger for lifer. You'd think that if they had the opportunity to bring him back and they really wanted to, they would have done it immediately. Now that they didn't, seems more and more likely that he'll go back home. Maybe it's a one-year deal, and it's maybe his last year in baseball with the back and all the injuries that he's had to go through. It seems like it's Rangers. I could see Kershaw wanting to do something else. I could totally too. Honest. Like, I could see him like an on a, on a broadcast or something like that, doing like the Manning thing. I Kershaw. could see him doing something non-baseball related. I could see him doing like charity work. Why not just go back close to home, take a big two-year deal, and then yeah. ride off into the sunset? That's what I'm thinking. You know, yeah. control control your own your own exit. I, I think pulling out pulling out the sources here. I mean, it's, it's pretty widely known, but, but I definitely feel very confident in the fact that the Rangers are going to pull out all the stops to try to get Kershaw, you know, and that's something that I could say I heard um, and, and I feel good about it from where I heard it. And, and I, you know, it's more up to him. I think the Rangers are going to do whatever they can to get him. They've made it clear that they're going to spend. I mean, they've even already been tied to Matt Olson. I know that's not spending in uh, financially, but it shows that they've still feel like they got a lot more work to do in terms of building that team, which we all agree on. Yeah. Uh, they want to go get Kershaw. That's that's evident and uh, it's true and I think I think they're going to try. It's really up to Kershaw. Yeah, a lot of the Instagram questions are really good because I feel like people are more willing to shoot from the hip on Instagram than Twitter because I think Twitter is a little bit more of a public forum and Instagram. It's like you know what, screw it. I'm gonna ask some fun questions. First one comes from Cy Ingersoll on Instagram. If you had to spend a day with one baseball player, past or present, who would it be? I think I've got the best answer here, so I'm going to go last. Arm, can you go first? <laughs> yeah, um, that's a good one. I, there, there's so many names. You know, there's so many guys I would go with, but I'd say Satchel Page. Uh, one, I would want to try to get him, convince him to tell me how old he is. Uh, yeah. But two, I would just we, we talk about arm issues and health issues and all of those things. I would love to just talk to Satchel about how he was able to throw a baseball for a hundred years and throw it hard. Like he threw gas back then, like gas. So I would love to, to talk to Satchel Page. Cool. I love that one. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of going along the same road. I mean, obviously I would love to speak to Jackie Robinson more than anything. Jackie Robinson would be the one name, but another on the side, Oscar Charleston, when we were talking to Joe Poznanski, he ranked him as the fifth best player of all time and talked about how he he's afraid of not, overrating them but he's actually afraid of underrating them i would love 10 minutes with oscar charleston or just to be able to watch him play but to sit down and speak with that's jackie robinson 
Fair. Um, my, my immediate reaction was like Ichiro. I want to spend a day with Ichiro. I want to know like how baseball oriented this guy, this guy's life is like, I want to know, do you have any interests outside of baseball? But then I got to thinking and I was like, okay, I want to spend a day with Daryl strawberry because I want to know if all the crazy shit I've heard about Daryl strawberry off the field is actually true. I just want to be a fly on the wall. And like my liver couldn't take a night with Daryl strawberry, but like, damn, I want to see it. Is it bad that I would love to just sit down with Shohei? No, it's not bad. I don't know. And well, and Daryl, Daryl on a multi-layered, you know, side of it, I would love to talk to him about life. I mean, this guy overcame a lot of stuff and a lot of demons and seems to be in a pretty good place too. That's, that's definitely a great one. Uh, And a fun fact on Ichiro, you know, he had a personal vacuum and would vacuum the area around his locker. I love that. Niner, Niner, talks about Ichiro a lot on on outside the box because we'll bring him up as like just the pros pro but like Ichiro spoke damn near fluent English yet still had a translator because he didn't want to be ever be misinterpreted at all like his biggest fear was being misinterpreted Um, there's just so many interesting things about him that's definitely a great one too cool next question from Evan Reaper is Barry Bonds single season home run record touchable if so who has the best shot not even close to touchable. 50 is incredible. He hit 73. 73 home runs in 162 games. I don't even think. Did he play all 162 that year? I don't know. Let's go to baseball reference. But I'll just keep going with my point because there's just no way anyone's going to get close to touching it. And I was thinking about it, you know. Is Pete Alonso the guy who, you know, if you had a chance to get to 73, could Pete Alonso do it? I think it's got to be someone freakier. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's got to be an absolute freak season. So, and the first thought that comes to mind when I think someone who could touch it, and if we're talking a freak show who would just go off on a random season, I think that's Fernando Tatis Jr. I think if there's anyone in baseball, he's the freak show that could do it. Possibly Giancarlo Stanton is another one. I mean, Giancarlo was like, quote unquote, close, right? I mean, he had 59 in that MVP season uh, in Marlins Park, where you figure if he if he's if he did that, if he if he replicated that exact season in Yankee Stadium, I think you're probably looking at more like 64, 65. I think it's a six homer difference. Yeah. Marlins Park to to Yankee Stadium. Absolutely. I, I bet Savant will probably have that. Um, maybe it's three or four, regardless, that gets you at like 62, 63. And that's like the max. Like, I think that's the max of what is possible in today's game. I think someone, I think someone's going to get 60. I do think someone will get 60 in our lifetime. Uh, but I, I don't think 73 is in the cards. Uh, I think 60 can happen though. As long as major league baseball is drug testing, 73 is never going to happen again. I, I promise you that. Um, I think that is more untouchable than DiMaggio's 56. And I think 56 is still incredibly untouchable. I, I, I think 73 is way more, way more doable. 56 no. will never, like, no one's even, no one's even. No one's good to get either. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> I, I think, I think the 56 in today's game is so freaking impossible. It's impossible. Like, 40. I, I don't think anybody will ever have a 40 game hitting streak again. Like, well, uh, I think we'll see. No, I'm serious. We will never see a 40 game hitting streak again. It's too hard. It's too can. hard. We have a no hitter every week. It, it's too <laughs> hard to hit in today's game, day in and day out. I, I like Pete Rose was the closest, and he he didn't get to fifty. He was in the forties. I, I don't think anybody gets there. Jackie, I don't Bradley think anyone Jr. gets got either. To what twenty nine? Who? Jackie Bradley Jr. He got to twenty nine in like 2015, 2016. Is that right? Didn't Utley have a really long one too? It was Luis Castillo had a big one. I remember Luis Castillo had like a 32, 32 guy. Yeah. Um, J-Roll had a 30, 38, 39 or 38. But I don't think anybody's cracked 40 since Pete Rose in 1978. So, like, you're, you're looking at a situation here where I don't think anyone's cracking 35. Yeah, I just – I don't think 73 is touchable. Like, I don't think anybody can get close to 73 again. Um, if they do, I don't think that person's alive right now. Like, I think it's going to take however many genetic mutations of the human race to, to form this weird, like centaur, like creature to hit 74 bombs in a year, uh, Barry bonds, 2001, when he hit 73 bombs, he played 153 games, 
and his home run rate was 11%. That's got to be the highest clip ever. 11% of his batted balls were home runs. That's what? Pretty that's that's pretty stupid. Yeah. So that's that. Yeah, no, no, no that deserves like a little bit of quiet from us. Just <laughs> do like sometimes just take in what he just said. It's, 11% it's, home run rate. It's really hard to get away with quiet time on a podcast. We sometimes need that just for it to soak in what that yeah. even is. But I don't want the listener to be like, ah, damn, like, did, did the audio pause for some reason? <laughs> <laughs> I want them to acknowledge it. But here, let's acknowledge the quiet time. Yes, quiet. Okay, next question. Uh, <laughs> Moment of silence. Yeah, question five uh, from AJ Bosher9 on Instagram. What's the realistic timeline for the Tigers to be a playoff contender? Could they still be in play for an outfielder, maybe Conforto, this offseason? <laughs> Let's start with realistic timeline. Pete, you first. Realistic timeline. I, I mean, I answered this question, it seems like, once a day on the live stream. And I go, I, I go up close to the screen, and I say, Tigers fans, come close. Do we believe in the pitching? Do we believe in Matt Manning? Do we believe in Tarek Skubal? Do we believe in Casey Mize? Because there's no doubt about the offense. I mean, especially with the addition of Javier Baez, you got Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green coming up. We know how much I love Jaime Candelario. They got dudes, but it's just, will the young pitching end up being what we all hope it to be? I don't know. I don't know if I believe in Matt Manning. I don't know if I believe in Tarek Skubal. And I believe in Casey Mize, but that belief has, has dwindled slightly when you just you know, take a look at his savant page. Um, and obviously I, I'm not going to take that fully away from him because when I watch, I do, I do see a good pitcher, but I don't know if I believe in this starting rotation. And then Jackson Job is still a little while away. Unless like, I don't think this is the Verlander Porcello Scherzer guys that are coming up. So I don't know. I don't really have like a date. I, I need to see this season, how they perform. And then I can give you a better answer, but this is a big year for Manning and Scooble, especially and mice. Yeah. I think, you know, this year is going to be no matter what the Tigers say, uh, no matter what the front office is, this is a feel it out year for them. Uh, they want to see what the deal is with these three arms. Cause this is the year where you can really figure out what you're going to get from each of those guys, right? Uh, Scooble, you'll have your answer of what you think he can be. Same with my, same with Manning. Uh, I think Manning, you could probably give a little bit more time. I was really disappointed with Manning. I'm more optimistic on Scooble and I don't love Casey Mize. And I know this is what always ends up going. Our conversation goes back and we have that bet. I forget what the number is on ERA, Jack. We'll have to go back and dig that up. But uh, I, I don't really believe in Mize. I like Eduardo for them. You know, that's a guy that's going to be with them for the next few years. Their, their offense is a lot better. They have a catcher. You know, they, they, they have a lot of things going for them in terms of the, who's coming up through the system. But I really think that they're going to assess this year, see how the three young guys do, and then go from there. I think what's going to happen is they're going to be severely disappointed by Manning, going to be fun with Scooble, and I think they're going to be shifted with their reality of Mize, but okay with him moving forward as, as kind of a middle-to-back-end guy. So if they go out and get an arm, you know, in free agency, and maybe Alex Fiedo comes up or they trade for somebody, this could be a team that's competitive. So I think they could compete in the next two years. I, I really do, because I believe in that offense. I, and it's young, and it's only going to get better. They're going to get Miggy off the books uh, in the next two years, and I think that money's going to be reinvested back yeah, I don't know. You see competition in the next two years from the Detroit Tigers. Like, I just, 2022, 2023, I feel like, eh. I set the date at 2024 because Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson will be entering their second full season. They're both going to debut in 22. They're going to have a full season of 23. And then 2024, they should be all systems go. That's when Scooble and Mize hit arbitration. So you're going to totally have your answer by then. Again, Miggy's off the books. No Candelario on the roster, but Baez is only going to be 31 years old at the start of 2024. I mean, like, I think that's the year where you let these guys work through their young kinks. And then you also have Job come up for his rookie year. His ETA is right around 2024. And you have the chance to make some moves and see what you have. So like, you know, you talk about this being an assessment year for the Tigers in 2022, Aram. Like, I'm with you. Use 2022 as an assessment year 
go sign what you need to improve upon. 2023, that's when you locate the remaining flaws, go sign what you need to improve upon, and then you're all systems go. And I think 2024 is the year that the Tigers really storm the castle. It's also just interesting, too, because if they're going to make the playoffs, that means one team's going to be out. And the AL East is still stacked. And the White Sox are still going to be really good. Luis Robert, Aloy Jimenez, you know, Michael Kopech, they got a lot of young guys, too. The Angels are right in their peak where they have to win now. The Astros are still a really good team. The American League is just very competitive. And also, we're not even talking about the Guardians. We're excited for the Guardians' future. You know, they have a lot of strong prospects as well, and I would say they have better young pitching. I don't think they have the offense that the Tigers do. So it's it's tough. It's like we can see the Tigers being much better, but then who's coming out of the playoff picture in the next two years? You know, right. you know what's funny? The Royals and the Tigers are kind of carbon copies of each other. Right. Uh, they, they have a lot of really exciting offensive prospects, some good young players as well, a little bit of a balance of some veterans that can swing it. And then just young arms that you just don't quite know. You just don't quite know yet. You don't know yet. And um, that's that's kind of the same thing I think you see across both teams. So uh, it'll be a race between those two teams. I think one of them will, will, will figure it out, and one of them might not. Uh, so it should be fun to watch. Let's answer the second part of the question at the same time. Did the Tigers sign a relatively big-name outfielder once the lockout ends? Three, two, one. No. no, no. There we go. Shall we move yeah. on? I don't yep. see it. There's no need. There's no need. Yeah, no need. Go figure. Go figure go out get what a, you need. Go get another pitcher. Yeah, really. You can do anything. Go get Rodon. And Robbie Grossman was good last year. Yeah, he was good. He, he walks a ton. He can steal bags. He's got sneaky pop. He, he's a good player. Yeah. You have Riley Green coming up. I agree. Don't touch the outfield. You don't need to. And Badu. And Badu. And Badu. He's good. Next question good. from Jakars11, J-A-C-A-R-Z, Jakars11. How long until you think the Nats get back to contention? Will Soto stay with them, or is he going to want to get out of there and win now? I think that's an interesting question because Soto's stuck in Washington until the end of the 2024 season. The Nats, while they did go and get Kiber Ruiz, and Josiah Gray have one of the worst farm systems in baseball. I understand they have Cavalli. I understand they have Rutledge, but there is nothing going on in that system. The Nats are in one of the worst spots in baseball right now with arguably the best player in baseball. And he's off the books after 2024. The Nats will not be competitive through 2024. So Soto's going to go get paid a billion dollars, not by the Nats. And to be totally honest, like I, I sat there for like two, three minutes and I actually just tried to put a year as to like when the Nats are going to be competitive again. And I think them more than anybody else in baseball, I just can't tell you when they're going to be competitive next. Like it's so funny. I had the exact same reaction. Like I'm, I'm looking at their farm system. I'm looking at their roster. And I'm like, the Nats are screwed. Yeah, they're screwed. I love Cade Cavalli. I do think he could be an ace. Besides that, so I have a question to pose to you guys. Would it be ridiculous to test the market for one Soto? No. Because, 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 because you could have a franchise-altering move. Like, you could get five tippity-top prospects that would change your franchise, especially where their farm is. Because a, we know baseball. It's a one-man show. Juan Soto cannot do it on his own. Mike Trout's, like, never won a playoff game. It, do you want just a Juan Soto, Mike Trout, the same thing, never makes the playoffs, but at least you have Juan Soto and at least you didn't trade him. I don't think it's ridiculous to just see what it would just see. Um, would someone empty the, like would the Mariners absolutely give Julio Rodriguez, like give everything for Juan Soto? Because then you, I'm just saying, I don't think it's stupid. I, if I took over for the Washington Nationals, like if that, if I took the job over, I would try as best as possible to, to come up with any plan to make this team better without trading Juan Soto. Of course. But I don't think I would be able to. Um, I, I really think I would trade him. And you, you have to also know that there's, there's a level of 
I don't even know if they can afford to extend him. I mean, if they couldn't afford to extend Bryce Harper and afford is, do they want to? I don't think they want to. Uh, A lot of teams just have a policy against giving out that much money. And you know what? The way a lot of these contracts have ended up, I don't blame organizations for not wanting to do that. If I was an owner, I would, I would struggle to justify giving $400 million to a player. They just don't age well. Odds are stacked against you. When you look at the system, Cavalli could be, could be great. Cole Henry is really good. I loved the Brady house pick. These, these are guys that like, Couple pitchers, they'll help a little bit. Uh, there's no bats that are going to help you anytime soon. Zero. Like Brady House could be a star. He's so far away. Like he could be so a star far in away. 2026. There's nobody else. Carter so Keyboom not panning out. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was like six years. Six years. Carter Keyboom not panning out is a huge, huge blow to them. Uh, they don't have any path. Like there's no path. There's no talent outside of the select few guys that we mentioned. I think you would have to make that trade as crazy as it sounds, because this is the only way that you can jumpstart this whole thing. It's really the only way. And you're not going to be able to spend your way out of it with, with Strasburg and Corbin eventually coming off the books, which isn't for a while. You're, you're not going to be able to spend your way out of it. So I, I would, I would start over Robles and Kibum not panning out killed them. Oh my God. Victor Robles not panning out. It was like the nail in the coffin for them right away. If you had Robles and Soto and they both were who they were supposed to be. I mean, we're working with house money right here with the Nats, like boom, but Robles sucking is not good. Um, A way to measure organizational success and like just a deep farm overall. Like, you know, we talked about at the end of the 2021 season, like pretty much every Rays affiliate had a crazy good record by year's end. The Nats, I was with their short season affiliate in 2019. They finished last place in the New York Penn League by quite a wide margin. In 2021, the Fredericksburg Nationals, the low A affiliate of the Nats, had, I want to say, like an 0 and 20 start to the regular season. Like when your minor league teams are really bad, that means that you don't have really good players there. And they have like some guys that I really like a lot of those guys. Like I really like. Um, as people, a lot of those guys. And I think that a couple of them can turn out to be really good baseball players, but like you can't find me 25 guys in that system right now that can put together a winning team in triple a or double a or high a or low a, like it's really hard to find 10 guys that are ready for a certain level that can actually win baseball games. And how do you get that talent? Yeah. Like how do you accumulate it? Because if you look at the the projected lineup right now, like on fan graphs, Lane Thomas, Cesar Hernandez, Juan Soto, Josh Bell, Yadiel Hernandez, Kiebert Ruiz, Alcides Escobar, Carter Keboom, and Victor Robles. Horrible. We know that Strasburg and Corbin's contracts are immovable. Josiah Gray is one of the only controllable pieces you have. Realistically, the only piece that you can really trade for a return outside of Soto is Josh Bell. And then yeah, any of the other guys, you're getting a marginal return. So in that, in that, right there kind of tells you everything. How else are you going to get your team where you need to go? You can't stockpile draft picks. You can't do anything else. You have to, I think you have to cash in your only asset, really. I thought you guys were going to be so pissed at me for bringing up trading one soda, but doesn't it seem like the only option, Jack? Like what, what else do they do? Because as constructed, nothing. They could get fucked like the Machado thing. Like, you remember when Baltimore got screwed with Manny Machado? They should have dealt him before that year started. Yeah, you know, they they sneakily had a good season the year before, though, and they wanted to run it back. And, you know, like, I respect that. It just, it it imploded on them. Like, they actually had a good year the year before and wanted to run it back. It didn't work out. But, like, they can't do that because if they do, if, if, if the Nats do that and they can't cash in on Soto, they're screwed for, for years to come. They're going to have to hit on every, they'd have to hit on every draft pick. There'd be no other way. So this is the, they have one redeemable asset and they got to cash it in. I, I don't know when, but they got to cash it in. Absolutely. Can you compare it? Can you compare it to a situation in the NBA? I mean, we're, we're after the trade deadline now, like, can you compare it to what happened? Like what had to happen for Minnesota? Like, Carl Anthony Towns is a superstar. Anthony Edwards looks like a superstar, but they got a hit on everybody. And like, they're still not even close to championship caliber and they won't be for the foreseeable future. Well, and the beautiful thing in the NBA though, is you just, you hit on a couple, a draft pick or two and you, you sign a guy and that's your starting five. Like that's the difference. Whereas like for baseball, baseball, how do you replace or how do you improve 25 men? <laughs> how do you do that? 
with the draft, you won't be able to implement them quickly. You can't just sign guys through free agency. It's, it's going to be a pain for them. I don't know people might think it's nuts that we want to do this, but I think if you give it one more year, see how some of these guys do, if anyone, you know, sticks out or anybody pops up in your system and maybe something goes that way. But I, I think Soto ends up being dealt. Speaking of futures of franchises, next question comes from Brendan Shelley. Who has a brighter foreseeable future, the Orioles or the Phillies? Pete, you first. <laughs> this one's a tough one because yeah. you'd think, oh, it's clearly the Phillies, right? Might not be the Phillies. Orioles have one of the best farm systems in all of baseball. And you can't get any worse than they're doing right now. And we've talked about the Phillies when it, it comes to free agents, how they have to sign guys. They have to sign guys because, Arm, correct me if I'm wrong, this Philly system isn't that great. No, not good. And on the major league roster, you have Bryce Harper and you have J.T. Romuto and you have Reese Hoskins and you have Zach Wheeler and you have Aaron Noah. After that, crickets. I would say the Orioles as crazy as it sounds, because they have young, controllable talent in the big leagues right now. Pretty solid players. Cedric Mullins is a star. Ryan Mountcastle could hit 35 bombs. They have some guys, and then they have a slew of young prospects. But the Phillies are just managed better than the Orioles. Like, we, we've said this before, is that when it's so close with, like, Adley, Bobby Witt, Julio... I sometimes give it to the organizations who I think can develop their players just a little bit better. Like the Orioles have had some of these great prospects come up and just haven't really been able to unlock them, develop them like they should be. Jack, remember we had that whole podcast episode on how many players have gone from Baltimore, all these pitchers like Kevin Gosman, Josh Hader, and have left. So it's it's there's a lot of both sides, but I'd go with the Orioles. Jack, what are your thoughts? So, like, Baltimore's got a way better system. And they've got the number one overall pick this year. And Ryan Miller just published a wonderful mock draft. You can find that on JustBaseball.com. He's got Brooks Lee going to Baltimore at 1-1. Tamar Johnson, he has going second overall. I know that a lot of Orioles fans are going to want Tamar Johnson, but I think Brooks Lee lines up better with the window that's going to open for Baltimore, like college bat. He'll get up while Adley and G-Rod and D.L. Hall are still under a ton of control. And then he all of a sudden joins Gunnar Henderson on the ascent there. Um, So in terms of like who's there right now, the Orioles. But we also know that the Orioles have this affinity for fucking situations up. Yeah. Like they are. (laughs) I mean, they've proved in recent memory to be kind of the most inept organization in baseball when it comes to some de- some decisions there. Um, and the reality I've never is... never seen worse pitching than last year. Last yeah. year's pitching staff, I mean, I think they had a 5-8-5 ERA. They were utter dog shit on the mound. Right. So G-Rod works out. Hall works out. You got to find like 11 other guys. Um yeah, and but the, the thing, thing with Phillies have like those two guys who already made it, and then they're in that situation with well, then what's after that? I mean, Zach like Eflin is, is a decent arm. Yeah, Mick Abel. But like you love Mick Abel? Arm, do you love Mick Abel? I like Abel. I like Abel. I think he's he's gonna be good, but he's still far off. You know, he's gonna be three years. But look at Philly though. Stott's gonna be up this year. You've Check got a life. Hall of Famer coming off of his second MVP who's in his prime, and you've got him for the foreseeable future. And Philadelphia is a top 10 market in baseball. In, in the United States, it is a top 10 city. So, like, they're going to spend more money. And I just think the Phillies are going to be more willing to put the money where their mouth is than Baltimore ever would. I mean, Baltimore is forever going to have a sub $50 million payroll if they're allowed to have a sub $50 million payroll. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really... My thing with the Orioles is I love, like, I agree with a lot of what Peter said, like offensively, I think they they project to be one of the more exciting teams in the next few years. And they have, they have a knack for, for drafting hit tool guys that develop power. And and I love that. I love that approach. And and it seems to be working with them on that side of things, but they just can't develop pitching. G-Rod is developed because he's a freak himself 
And DL Hall is just disgusting. He's been battling injuries. I'm nervous about DL Hall's health. And G-Rod's the only guy they really have there. They're not going to sign anybody pitching-wise. How are they, Their system is all bats for the most part. I'm a little bit nervous about who's going to freaking pitch for them. Where I look at the Phillies, they're going to make some trades. Like they just restocked a little bit after the, after the draft. I wouldn't be shocked if, if Dombrowski says, see you, Andy Painter. Yeah. You know, they just drafted Andrew Painter first round, big high school arm. He's going to take a long time to get there. They have two big high school arms and Mick Abel and Andy Painter. Abel's better. I could see them saying, see a Painter, package him with somebody else and go get another piece. If that happens, I mean, now this rotation's interesting because I love Zach Wheeler. We all do. Nola's still a really good two who's going to have a better year next year. Ranger Suarez, man, like he came out of nowhere, was a guy. Kyle Gibson is not great, but he's a good four. And they went and got Hans Kraus, who I think could be a fine five. Yeah. Uh, so if they if they go get somebody else, they're in good shape. Alec Bohm is still 25. I think he could start to turn things around. If he doesn't, then you know they can go look at other areas there. I just love the core. I love Reese Hoskins. He's still only 29. Like you said, Bryce Harper, only 29. Real Muto, 31. Like they still have a lot of run with these guys in another two, three years. I, I, I'm interested to see what they do, but I, I believe in, in the Phillies just being able to make lemonade out of the lemons a bit more than, than the Orioles. That, that's really it. Yeah, I think I went on a limb there just because I do love this Orioles system so much. But I mean, the Phillies, like they're they're an eighty win team or above, while the Orioles are trying to get up to seventy wins. I mean, that's it's just 60. the reality. They're of trying situation. to get to yeah. sixty wins, literally. So, uh, and I was more thinking, wow, the Phillies system seems to be pretty barren. Their major league roster is not that strong right now. But then again. Post lockout, they could go get Conforto. They could go get a big shortstop, and then they're right back to being contenders in the NL East. So yeah. I'd I'd like to change my answer from the <laughs> Orioles to the Phillies, but I think what I meant was was just how good this Orioles farm system is. Well, and what's crazy is is again like when we were talking about Phillies moves during the season, I'm like I don't even know how they could feasibly make a trade. Like now they could feasibly make a trade. Like they could package uh, Andy Painter, Johan Rojas, and like even an Alec Bohm and get it, get the dude like that. They could get Matt Chapman with that. Yeah. So, you know, that that's the thing here. Like they, they are a move or two away from going up there where the Orioles just, they need a lot to happen. All that to say the Orioles are heading in the right direction. They just got to figure out the pitching. Yeah. Uh, this is mostly an arm question. I think from Kevin Barrel, Kevin underscore B A R R A L Barrel Barrel yeah, Barrel. Yeah. He's the man. Is he okay? That absolutely makes sense. Then the content of this question here. Uh, Do you believe that Max Meyer and JJ Bladé make their debuts for the Marlins thoughts on Peyton Burdick in center field, if needed for 2022? That's a great question. Uh, Well, Bladé showed up to camp beefed up 20 pounds of muscle, uh, which is pretty sick after what he just did in the Arizona fall league. So I think Bude cracks the big leagues this year, and, and I think he's going to do pretty well. I, I'm really sold on the swing adjustments. Everything I've heard from from Marlins camp is really positive about Bude and the fact that he added muscle. I mean, this was a guy that just wasn't that physical before at all. Like he just relied on natural hit hitting ability. Marlins need a guy that has bats to ball skills. Bude will be that dude for them. Holby up Meyer again. It's more about where does he fit in than anything. Right. Like, who are you booting from the rotation? Like, let me, I'll turn that question on you guys because I think Meyer's pretty close to big league ready. He'll be ready after 10 starts, but under the assumption that, let's say, Lizardo's throwing well, it's, it's Sandy Alcantara, Trevor Rogers, Pablo Lopez, Eliezer Hernandez, and, and Jesus Lizardo potentially. Um, Edward Cabrera, did I say Edward Cabrera? No, you haven't even no. said him. Yet. So was, not even Eliezer. Him out, but you didn't even put him in. So I was like, well, I can't kick him out now. <laughs> Edward Cabrera and then Eliezer's the odd man out already. So like they might try and trade him. Who are you booting? Assuming everyone's like throwing pretty well. What do you do? What do you do with Max Meyer? Do you think Max Meyer could serve as maybe like a Kopech type role? Where he's coming I, out of the bullpen, maybe four fifth inning, kind of in there, and I then maybe that. work him into the rotation if or he's or if he's just such a weapon back there, you keep him there because you can kind of fool with him however you like. And isn't he? He's more of a two pitch guy right now, right? He's kind of yeah, trying to so develop that third. I was really encouraged by the changeup, but yeah, I mean, like that's the big question. Like, how is the changeup going to be? I, I think that's a great idea, Pete, because this is a Marlins team. And I know you guys will laugh, but like they're trying to win now. Like they they're they trying to do as well as they can. And they're better off putting Max Meyer in 
two, three inning situations, spot start and have them up at the big leagues. Like we've seen that that doesn't necessarily stunt growth as we saw with, with crochet. We, we, you know, we've seen it with, with Copic that, that would give the Marlins a little bit more flexibility there. And it gives him some big league experience. I think that makes the most sense. And that gives the Marlins a better arm out of the pen, which their pen sucked last year. I don't care about the bullpen ERA. It sucked. There was no one that they actually could trust to get swings and misses. They need swing and miss guys in the pen. That might be the role for them. Go buy some bats with, with yeah, pitching, I was just about to pitching. ask. Like, go go trade for some hitters. Like, Eliezer Hernandez and Jake Eater, like, send them. You've got Erie Perez coming up, too. They have so many starting pitchers. Like, go get a big league contributor at third base or in the outfield, maybe a center fielder, and, like, exactly. boom, there we go. We're preaching to the choir here. I'm just I was going like, to say, I fucking know, dude. I know. <laughs> I was literally about to say you're preaching to the choir. If if I were in charge, that would have been done six months ago. It would have been it would have been done last year. I, I don't know what's like. I don't know what's going on. They they're stockpiling fifty arms, and uh, that, I'm interested to see what happens on the other side of the lockout because it, it's just it's crazy to me. They they want to start having Garcia in center. Don't Why? Do that. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, but Burdick, I think Burdick's good at a corner. There. What? He's that good at a corner. And no. He's not good at anything. Better. Yeah, that's what I was like. I don't remember him being that great defense over there in a the corner. He's not good at anything. No, I, he's I a good hitter. That he's, he's a good hitter. Fine. He's fine. I just don't know moving over from Milwaukee to Miami. How's that yeah. going to work for him? Yeah. After a career year. And he's yeah. one, I think he was a 108 WRC plus guy for his career as a corner outfielder. No thanks. Burdick, to wrap up real quick, can play center. Great athlete. It's just how much contact is he going to make? But that's a guy I'd, I'd love to see get in the mix out there. Crazy power, walks a ton, and the defense is good enough out there. Yeah, he had a 36% K rate in eight games in AAA. He was like four for 28 in AAA. I got to see him hit AAA pitching before he hits big league pitching. But, like, that's a month in AAA. I think he's good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, he walks a ton to offset it, which, you know, if he's, if he's a 28% K rate guy, but he walks 14%, you know, that's palatable. If he can, if that can translate it. To oh, big that's level. great. If he can walk 14% the he, big leagues, he I mean, broke that's the Marlins. He broke the Marlins single season walk record. <laughs> Burdick. I know you've heard this story, Aram. Burdick and Katuit was a temp. Yeah. He, a non-guaranteed contract and game one of the Cape season in 2018, he hits three bombs in a game. So then he Can you signs that? the rest of the year. That was the, right first, that was the first full baseball game I've ever called. Wow, really? Did it against the Brewster Whitecaps. Peyton Burdick. No way. Homer game. Dude, that's, that's awesome. That is so cool. That's so cool. So funny enough, my host family, the, the Michael and Barbara, who were kind enough to host me for the whole summer, uh, Burdick lived with them the summer before. So that was one of the first things I heard was because it was right around the time of the draft. And they're like, they're freaking out. They're so excited about Peyton because they, they're so close. I stay close with Michael and Barbara till, still to this day. Uh, and they were so amped for him. And that's, they told me that story. And I was like, talk about rising to the occasion. Because for people that might not know, you have your full season Cape Cod League players, but because some players come in at different times, you know, some are tired, need a couple of weeks, some are still going in the College World Series. There's temp players that will jump on the opportunity to just be there for a couple of weeks. And very few will be able to convince enough to, stick on the roster. And usually when the rest of the guys come, they send the other ones home. Hitting three home runs as a temp guy is a pretty damn good way uh, to convince people that you should stick around. And that's just kind of like the, the gamer that Burdick is. Yeah. And he was a Cape league all-star that year. I mean, shout out Peyton Burdick. We end the pod with a Peter focused question. This one coming from Kevin gross. If the Yankees sign a new shortstop, will they have a legit shot at the world series floor is yours. It depends on what shortstop. If they sign Carlos Correa, yes, I think they have a legit shot. If they sign Trevor Story, I do think that they have a legit shot at a World Series title. Do I think they're going to win by just doing that alone? No. They have to go get a guy like Matt Olson or even re-sign Anthony Rizzo. They have to make sure that they're upgrading at first base, that they're upgrading at shortstop. And I would love another starting pitcher. You know, I like Joe Montgomery. I like Jameson Tyon. I like some of these young arms coming up. But with Luis Severino's arm troubles, I'm assuming that he's going to be okay. But right now behind Garrett Cole, there's a lot of question marks. I do love my guy, Nestor, and I think he's going to be a valuable piece next year in that rotation. But right now, shortstop is an area of concern. But by just getting one of the big shortstops, I don't think that puts you in pristine World Series contention. Where does Enduhar fit in? 
And Universal Frazier, DH. Did you about- hear that American League gets two DHs now? So <laughs> we have Anuhar at the second DH, and his 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 trade stock skyrocketed this morning. Yeah, he was literally Ethereum. NL teams are yeah, he's Ethereum, all right, right now. Um, he just went to a sixty hit tool like you've never seen. Yeah, he's he's. Let's see. I actually crazy enough, I saw a trade proposal today with Anduhar in, and it was not satirical. Oh, what do you no. mean? Are you sure? Because no, everything with him in it has now been deemed satirical. No, no, this one was not satirical. It was, Which it was one? good. What was it? it was like a, it was a very serious offer, and it was, and then just like Anduhar was just like thrown in there though. Like it was one of those where like the offer was fine as is. It was a fine okay. offer. And they just threw Anduhar. Do you know in the offer? Measure. I gotta pull it back up. It was, it was funny though. It was a good one, uh, but people are always just throwing Anduhar out there. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite memes. But Glaber, where does he do? Glaber's gonna move over to second, and I, I'm, I'm. I, I know you guys are more down on Glaber. When he moved over to second base, it seemed like it was more of a, all right, now I'm relaxed. Now I can focus on the bat. Whether that's true or not, that's what it seemed like from watching him on a day-to-day basis. He seemed more relaxed at the plate. And the numbers showed that he was better once he moved over to second so, base. Do I think third? Yeah, I put TJ at third. Yeah, TJ at third, and then you just say peace to to. Your guy, uh, no, Gio's gonna be he's gonna have to move around the infield, like he's gonna have to be our utility guy. He's he can play some shortstop, he can play some third base. Um, you could put him over at second, he'd be fine. The Yankees shift a ton anyway. Hey, what about DJ at first? No, I don't love DJ at first because I think that that dampens his defensive abilities because DJ LeMay, who is a great defender, but I think his worst defensive position is first base, and it's also a position that is not it's not one of the most important positions defensively on the field. Like I'd rather him at second base. I'd rather him at third base. He's better there. And those positions mean more when it comes to defense anyway. Have you thought about Aaron Hicks at shortstop? Clint Frazier. He's under contract for another five years. Yeah, but he makes no money. So I'm not that worried about no that. money. He's like it's making more money than any Marlins made in the last 10 years. I mean, what, what do you want me to say? Like about the Marlins, like they're not paying hitters. Yeah, major just because Marlins. Aaron Hicks is making ten million dollars a year doesn't mean like that's a bad contract because the Marlins don't spend money on their bats. Yeah, seven years seventy is pretty pretty trash. Listen, Arm, we'll Florida, no state income base. tax. New York, how much do you pay for that shoebox apartment you live in right now? And your task rabbit still hasn't come to hang your uh, hang your stuff in the background. I know. I, I I haven't I haven't put the task rabbit request in yet. I haven't, and I've got more issues around here. My curtain fell down, so I wake up bright and early from the sun, and I just haven't replaced it yet. Um, but we're rocking and rolling. I, I pay too much for this shoebox apartment, and state income guys, tax. Do don't make enough dis- to know about that. Do you guys disagree with my Yankee take? Do you think, no. like, let's say they sign Carlos Correa, and that's it. Do you think they're think World they do, Series contenders? I think if they do nothing, they're World Series contenders. I, I think a team with that much talent is always a World Series contender. I, the Yankees seem to recently find ways to come up short, but if the Yankees did nothing at shortstop, I would still say that they have like a shot. I wouldn't be surprised if they put it together and made the World Series. You know, like that's that's a team that again, like they they could call up Oswald Peraza three months into the season and have at least a, a slick defender over there who has bat to ball skills. That lineup is so good; it doesn't really matter. I think they're contenders no matter what. It, Arm, so, I've just seen this year after year. It's the same lineup. I agree, but they're still contenders every year. They're yeah. still Vegas favorites every year. So, like, these stats That's ridiculous. They have, like, the second best odds to win yeah, the World that, Series that, every yeah. year. And I also think that they have a lot of minor league arms that are going to come and help them this year. Um, Ron Marinaccio. 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 Disgusting. I got, Disgusting. I've been getting. Thank you. I, I, no, I get messages from, so I just had Joey Loprofito on the call up, uh, Astro seventh round pick. Lope trains at the same place as Marinacho in, in Jersey. And um, he texts me like every day, like, dude, Marinacho is the, the grossest guy I've ever seen in my life. His changeup is like a left-handed slider. Like he's going to be gross. And the fastball's nasty. He was like texting me videos. He looks gross. He's going to be a bullpen piece for them next year. Mark my words. Absolutely. Uh, and then Wesneski is a great depth piece, you know, for them whether you need him in the bullpen or spot start or whatever, I think Walter Chuck will be able to help out at some point next year. And like, they even have still Clark Schmidt and Davey Garcia for nine one, one emergency. Like they have a lot of depth, more pitching depth than I think they've had in a long time. Severino's healthy. There's a lot to like here uh, in terms of the pitching. I think there's more going on than they've had in the past. 
year after year. I, I'm hoping. Yeah, I mean, they get I am slightly the pessimistic series. going in. Like that wild card game crushed me. I know it hurt me so bad, like so bad. So I'm 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 not overly optimistic going into this year. You, they got to prove it to me. Out of all people, it's got to be proven to me. Yeah. Um, hey, speaking of proving it, Arm, you see that jersey that I have back here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know why, why do you have that? It's a Tua Tungavailoa Alabama jersey. It's my brother's. He got it on a DH gate. Um, so I just borrowed it for the sake of this because I like I would run through a billion brick walls for Mike McDaniel right now. Um, why? Yeah, why? Because he's awesome. Oh, you like him because he's kind of like you a little bit, huh? Yeah, you like that, of you, Jack. Got that Jack's Nick not at by, thirty five. Jack's not biracial. <laughs> I'm not yeah, biracial. What did, he, you're right. what did he say? He came out. What, what was his statement about it? I saw a tweet, but I never actually got into it. No, he's biracial. He is. Yeah. That's it. That was so just he, it. He counts under the Rooney rule, um, which was just really funny because he just he just doesn't look anything mixed at all. Like it's, it was, it would just caught everybody off guard. He just looks oh. <laughs> very very white. Like it's that's what it was. It was funny though, but yeah, I guess he's he fits under that that. So what the Niners get a pick for that? Do was, they? I, yeah, they get a pick. Like because your 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 coach that fits under the Rooney Rule was taken away. You get it. I don't know. It, oh. The Rooney Rule to me is so complicated and weird. I loved Brian Flores, but I am happy that they got McDaniel. Like McDaniel's, I think going to be the guy that if if, if anyone's going to help Tua figure it out, it's going to be McDaniel. Um, but did you see the video of him? Like it was so forced. Yeah, I think they literally I love him. Dolphins PR was like, you know, FaceTime Tua right now. And he, he just pulls his phone out and he's like, what's up Tua? Yeah, and they were like, talking back and forth. He's like, we're going to have a really nice, long professional relationship. I'm just like, I loved it. It was awesome. The most awkward, cringy thing I've ever heard. But yeah, I'm all in on McDaniel. I'm cool yeah. with it. Fire me up. I'm so here for Mike McDaniel. Dude, the Knicks didn't make any trades. Yeah. You guys so, got Cam Reddish. Don't worry. Well, and then Reddish didn't go to the Lakers. That was the thing. Like, LA was looking to get Reddish from the Knicks. I think it was like Westbrook for Reddish. Like, that's what they were trying to shop there. Is Westbrook the worst player in the could rather have Cam Reddish than Russell Westbrook right now. I would. Cam Reddish, they won't play him. Yeah. I would. Dude, I'd rather have Jack. Low post. Is he gonna pay post, me the minimum? Elbow, elbow jumpers. Yeah, you for the minimum, or or Westbrook for his contract. Give me you every day of the week. You guys know how much money he's making? Yeah, forty-four 40, million dollars. Four, oh, oh. He's making forty-seven million next year. Oh. Yeah, at least Harden opted into his forty-seven. <laughs> the NBA, like NBA. All right, it's not the same. NFL's better. Go Rams. Fired up. False. No, right. NFL last is better words. than the NBA. Pete, last words on the Super Bowl before we send people into the weekend. Rams minus four. Lock it in. They're winning by 30. Rams will win the Super Bowl behind Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup. Super Bowl MVP plus 600. Cooper Cup. Mm. Overmodulated as shit. I love it. Yeah. Aram, what are you thinking? Uh, that's going to be a fun one to look in the, like the waveforms when you go to edit that. It's just yeah. like, oh, that's where that was, that's where that's where Pete was yelling. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was I screaming? Uh, yeah. I hope it's close. I think the Rams are like the obvious pick. I just hope it's a good game, and I hope nobody gets hurt. Yeah. Do you want to see me happy in my Rams win? I hope both teams have fun. Now nah, I kind of want Joe Burrow to win. Not really. Because like, if it was the Yankees, dude, like I'd want it for you. I really no, would. you wouldn't. No, I really would. I really, really would. I, I swear, I really would. I really would want. Really unless would. They're, I don't believe you. Unless they're playing. You want us to, I think you want us to be depressed. I think no, you want to, I, I, I would want. I would want you to get the Yankees World Series. I would not. The Rams is too recent, man. Like they just moved to LA. I get it. You have every right to be the fan of them, but you haven't waited long enough. You, you haven't. You haven't suffered enough. That's a good point. Like, I haven't suffered. Just yeah, like suffer a little bit more. They lost the Super Bowl when I was a fan, though. Yeah, that was the worst game I ever watched in my life. But that game sucked. I, I had a teaser, one of the worst bets I've ever made. I had the over like 36 points. I teased it all the way down. And I took, I don't even remember what I had the Rams. I had the Rams like as a 14 point, something crazy. And the game finished 13 to three. Yeah. What are you guys laughing at? 
Am I just screaming the mic again? <laughs> no, no. I mean, the, your ability to just recount like that bet is hilarious. I could do a lot of them. <laughs> I've made a lot of them. <laughs> we'll save them for next week. We'll save them for down. For not gambling advice. <laughs> okay. Uh, you sign off with that on not gambling advice, but on the Just Baseball Show, you sign off with. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.